My topic is promise and fulfillment. And my text from Luke chapter 2 and verse 6, And while they were there, the time came for Mary to give birth. Well, we are nearly halfway through our nine lessons, and it's time for something completely different, a homily. A homily is a short sermon, so set your timers. This is a good place to pause because our first four lessons develop the promise of God's new and perhaps final intervention in his messed up world. And the next four lessons reveal the way God chose to fulfill that promise. The final lesson, the ninth, is a wonderful meditation on all that has transpired. So promise and fulfillment, the title of this homily. First promise. The first lesson begins with a promise broken. The implicit promise we made, created as we were in God's image, with memory, reason, and skill, and a spirit capable of communion with him. The implicit promise we made to accept our limits as his creatures and to trust him despite these limits. But as we heard, disobedience led to punishment. After that, saddest of questions was asked. But the Lord called to the man and said, where are you? And ever since, we've been trying to answer that question to God and for ourselves. Where are we indeed? But in this embedded dismal account is the seed literally of promise. God says to the serpent, I will put enmity between your offspring in Hebrew, literally, seed, and her offspring. And in Hebrew, as in English, the word seed can be singular or plural. But in this case, it is singular, for the next verse reads, He shall bruise your head, and you shall bruise his heel. Does this just account for my fear of snakes, and perhaps yours also? Or if the serpent is the agent of evil in this story and not just a creature of God, does it suggest a coming struggle for the soul of humanity? And may not the seed refer to our champion in that struggle? There is a similar mystery and promise in the second lesson. When God rewards Abraham for his obedience in offering up Isaac, God says, in your offspring, again, seed, shall all the nations of the earth be blessed because you have obeyed my voice. And so we wonder, is it all Israel who will be a blessing to the nations or one particular son of Abraham, one champion? By the time we reach the third and fourth lessons, the focus is clearly singular. To us, a child is born. To us, a son is given. This child shall end oppression and violence, extending his authority and his peace as a righteous and just ruler in the dynasty of King David. He will be filled with the Spirit. He will be the Anointed One, the Messiah, the Christ. 
and under his rule all violence and destruction will cease, and the earth shall be full of the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. But here, in all honesty, we must pause and ask ourselves the question, these are great promises, but are they being fulfilled? For nearly 2,000 years, Christians have lived and worked among us. Is evil routed? Violence abated? Righteousness established? Justice administered universally? Just last week on National Refugee Sunday, we watched a disturbing video about the Syrian refugee crisis. 200,000 dead. 11 million displaced. And this is just in one failed state among many in the world. Each week brings reports of new terrorist attacks around the globe. Our wonderful technological progress just seems to enhance our capacity to kill. It is estimated that in the 20th century, more people died in armed conflicts than in all the previous centuries put together. But before we subside into a despairing skepticism, remember this, that the freedom God gave to first man and first woman to trust him or reject him is extended to each one of us in our life choices. And how wisely do we use that freedom? In our ninth lesson, you will hear, and you will do well to pay attention to it, these words. He came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, who were born of God. How widely and how sincerely has this invitation been shared and accepted over the past 2,000 years? How many of the ring-a-ding, sing-along, red-nosed Santas in our midst understand that the reason for the season is to renew our identity as children of God? Was it George Bernard Shaw who said, I find Christianity a very attractive religion, but I've never met anyone who practiced it. And it was G.K. Chesterton who wrote, Christianity has not been tried and found wanting, it has been found difficult and not tried. So if when we look around the world in this Advent season of 2015, we place a big not yet beside God's promises, it might say more about us than about God. This brings me to fulfillment, anticipating the remaining five lessons in our service. And in this regard, I want to ask you a question you may never have thought about, but perhaps need to. If you were God, planning a major intervention to turn around a screwed-up planet Earth, how would you go about it? Think of yourself as a sort of public relations consultant to the deity and make some suggestions. My recommendations would go something like this. I assume that the intervention should be sudden, comprehensive, unmistakable, 
and authoritative. So here are some cautions. Do not rely on the testimony of a teenage girl about her intimate conversations with a non-material being. I want to put this tactfully, ladies, but teenage girls are notoriously moody and unreliable. Not to mention that in first century Palestine they were uneducated and not allowed to testify in legal proceedings. So no young girls claiming to converse with angels. If there must be a birth, let it be a grand birth, nothing obscure or pitiable. But why a birth at all? Why not arrive full-grown like Aphrodite on the half-shell? After all, nothing is impossible with God. A birth requires an upbringing and delays the impact of the intervention for 20 or 30 years. Why wait? Start fast. Whatever you do, do not rely on the testimony of shepherds. They are the long-haul truckers of the first century. Isolated, lonely, profane, staring at the night sky with too much time on their hands, it is doubtless to the shepherds that we have to thank for those unlikely names for random clusters of stars, the hunter, the bear, the dog, and the so forth, which no one but them could really see. Definitely no shepherds. Do not involve practitioners of other religions. This will stir opposition among the Jews. This will create political problems and delay general acceptance of the intervention. Actually, my recommendation, and I think it's a brilliant one, is that the intervention not feature a person at all because this limits it in space and time. A person can only be present in one place and at one moment in time. I recommend a large incandescent cloud appearing simultaneously on the highest peaks in each of the continents of the world, accompanied by a thunderous voice in all the local languages proclaiming bloom or doom. That should start off the new intervention smartly, suddenly, comprehensively, unmistakably, and authoritatively. Well, as you will hear shortly, my recommendations were not followed by the deity. And what is reported to have happened is so improbable that it could not possibly have been invented by poets or storytellers. What is reported to have happened is so improbable that it just might be true. I'd like to close with a poem by Madeleine Lengel. God did not wait till the world was ready, till nations were at peace. God came when the heavens were unsteady and prisoners cried out for release. God did not wait for the perfect time. God came when the need was deep and great. God dined with sinners in all their grime, turned water into wine. God did not wait till the hearts were pure. In joy, God came to a tarnished world of sin and doubt, to a world like ours of anguished shame, 
God came, and God's light would not go out. God came to a world which did not mesh to heal its tangles, shield its scorn. In the mystery of the word made flesh, the maker of the stars was born. We cannot wait till the world is sane to raise our songs with joyful voice, for to share our grief, to touch our pain. God came with love. Rejoice. Rejoice.